I'm Laura Ortiz, and I've decided that I'm one of the new hosts of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I'm also known as Benedict Cumberpatch. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. You know, I absolutely love Laura Ortiz, and I also love the fact that she calls him Benedict Cumberpatch. <laughs> oh, from the backroom foam spray induction booth on sublevel nine, deep in Area Fifty One. Welcome to Talkcast Three Hundred and Sixty Two. I know last week I said it was Talkcast Three Hundred and Sixty Two, but it wasn't. It was Three Sixty One. This is Three Sixty Two. Yet another edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Feeling somewhat comforted by the fact that I can do basic math. I'm your host, The Dome. Joining the Talkcast tonight, the rest of the gang in the Peabody Time Tunnel, our button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdrivering, violent virtuoso. Tonight, not, definitely, absolutely not playing a game. It's Kriana. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> From the stacks of her quiet place in the Dank Dungeons Collegiate Prep Student Lounge, just having received multiple degrees from the California Cyborg School in Pismo Beach, and now pursuing an advanced degree in Turing Linguistics with Salty Limericks, it's Zombrarian. I've told you a million times that I did not go to the branch school at Pismo Beach. I went to the main campus on the boardwalk at Coney Island. That's a long commute, but okay. Whatever. Unless you teleported, in which case that's fine. Later on, we'll be meeting the man who knows dampness wherever he finds it, because evidently he found it tonight, which is why the wet track, wet pack is running in the background. Week by Java will be joining us later on in the show. Our guest tonight is a gentleman that we met at GraniteCon, uh, which feels like a month and a half ago and was really only two weeks ago. Um, a gentleman who is has the fortitude and foresight and perhaps silliness to have started his own convention in Keene, New Hampshire, the Keene Comic-Con, which is Saturday, October 14th, uh, Terry Thomas. Terry, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Oh, thank you very much. It's uh, good to talk to you again. You, yeah. Um, interesting how we met. I was sitting at our table at GraniteCon, and this guy walks up and hands me a postcard, and, say, and it says on it, Keen Comic Con, and the first words out of my mouth were, I didn't know there was one. And your response, I believe, was, well, there wasn't, but now there is. <laughs> so how did, how, did you, how did this idea come about, and why in God's name did you decide to do it? Uh, I hate to say that I was bored last winter, but that was actually part of it. Um, I moved to Keene, I don't know, 13 or 14 years ago, and 
fortunately, there were a couple of comic book stores in town. Um, one of them uh, was run by a friend of mine that I've known for 30 or 40 years that had this comic book store. And we have always just, you know, taught comics. I mean, it's what he's done for a living for many years. And I've been collecting since around 1962, actually. And uh, we always just talked about it and how there was nothing around here. And both of us grew up going to, you know, the older type Comic-Cons. And they weren't necessarily called that back then. They were maybe science fiction cons or whatever. But they were basically just a lot of comics and a lot of science fiction. And the big ones these days, they're fun to go to, but they're almost overwhelming. And I said, you know, why don't we kind of work at this and throw some numbers together and think about putting on our own smaller version in Keen and just see what happens with it. And that's, that's how it started. Now, it's interesting because for a, a town the size of Keen, you have two very good reasons that you, you have a pool here in that you have three or four uh, comic geek type shops in this town, and you also have a university. That helps. <laughs> oh, it definitely does. And, you know, then again, you also have right across the river in Brattleboro, you have another collection of, of people of the same vein. I mean, they're, I mean, they are, or we or whatever are really everywhere. It's not. We, yeah, it's a we. You know, <laughs> you know it's, uh, that's what it is. But what, what you do find out if you, like I did real quickly, when you want to do something that might have been real popular, you know, as I said, in the 60s and 70s, that was comics and science fiction, you find out there's probably not enough of those people around to, to put a whole con together. I mean, you might have, you know, a, a few people, but not a lot. But when, you know, people started responding from cosplay and from LARPing and from, um, you know, card from, from Magic and Warhammer and all that stuff, and which is, you know, it related enough to it to where everybody really gets together talking about it and thinking about it. Then you've maybe got enough people to where you can put something together and have a lot of fun with it. And that's, that's what we've done. Over the past years, we've seen the growth of, of what were called Comic-Cons, San Diego, New York, Boston, Rhode Island, blah, 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 big two, three-day events, uh, or, or in the case of, of San Diego, five-day events, which are incredibly, A, overwhelming, C, uh, B, actually, I can go C, expensive <laughs> as, exactly, expensive as all hell, and right. and they've not done adequate service to their roots, which were the comic creators, the artists, the writers, those kinds of things. Uh, and in response to that, over the past two years, we've seen a group of, of, I guess, for lack of a better term, we could call microcons, one-day events, inexpensive, both for the uh, attendees and uh, the 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 artists and vendors, because you know those large conventions have become very expensive, not just for 
uh, the attendees. But if you're an independent artist or an independent comic or, or an independent writer, uh, oh my God, has it become an expensive proposition. So these microcons are becoming a direct response to that. And, and they're really, as I think you're finding out now, filling uh, an interesting need. Uh, did you have well, a lot think, of, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go right ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, I, did you have problems you know, finding people? I mean, it's the first time you've actually gone out to uh, right. look for people for this. Right. Well, this is the, you know, the first one this area has ever had. Um, you know, there were some good ones. Uh, well, obviously, the Granite Con does a couple times a year in Manchester. Um, they've done some small shows in Concord, like at a Holiday Inn or something like that. Yeah, they, they do a halfway to Granite Con. Uh, right. Yeah, at, at the, in uh, Concord and at, sponsored by their Concord store, which I think it's a, it's a much smaller version. And quite frankly, just as much fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and that, you know, we went up to the, uh, what was it called, the uh, White Mountain Con or whatever, which was up in Plymouth, New Hampshire. And uh -huh. that was pretty tiny. I mean, that was maybe 1,500 square feet or something like that. Um, and that, you know, was, you know, it was a very small con. It, it's hard to know what I mean, first of all, whatever you figure you're going to spend to put this on, you need to double it to start with to be even be in the ballpark. <laughs> and the second thing, you know, and the second thing is you really have no idea um, what to do with advertising, unfortunately. And, you know, there are two parts of it. You have to have vendors inside and things people want to see and be entertained by. And that's one side of it. And the other thing is you have to have people come through the door that make the vendors happy that they're there. Right. So, and unless, unless I can figure out how to do both these things, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a real short season. <laughs> but we're <laughs> getting uh, we're getting really good, uh, I don't want to say feedback, but really good impressions from the people that, are looking for something small like this to go to. I mean, a lot of the people coming to this did just come back from Granite Con or Boston Con or, you know, New York Con or whatever. And that's not what we're going to be. We're not going to have Stanley sitting there, you know, signing $350 autographs. Um, well, that's the other thing that those larger cons have become since they're, they're not really, well, they're, they're, their core 15 years ago is not what their core is now. Uh, oh, it's totally they, different, sure. Yeah, the, the $150 to stand next to a celebrity for 30 seconds, get a picture taken and have him sign it, uh, is not what people used to go to a convention for. And a lot of these smaller conventions that are now becoming very successful are proving that. I, I really think so. And, you know, the the interest that we've gotten from artists and writers, you know, that most of them are comparatively local. I mean, within New Hampshire and Vermont, uh, some Massachusetts, uh, you know, they're looking for exactly these sort of things where they can actually take some time and talk to people that they meet. Um, they're not just signing their book and, and you know, come on next. It's um, you actually can talk to these people. Um, maybe you want to get a commission, you know, artwork done or something, or 
talk about what their next book is. And that stuff is pretty neat. That's what this stuff was all about years ago. And I'm hoping that it's not so fast paced and so, uh, I don't want to say buried, but just, you know, so that people can take some time and enjoy stuff. This should be sort of something for everyone, especially where this is the first one. We're trying to figure out what people are really after. And, and it's hard to know because there are so many different opinions. Now, we, we were talking earlier about the con is at this point about a month away. Actually, about three weeks away. Three weeks from last Saturday. Yep. And yeah, and you're beginning to feel the tightness in your chest going, oh, my God, how are we going to do this? And uh, I went to. Why uh, did I do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always the question. That's the question oh, yeah. I face every time we tape another show. Why did we do this? Oh, yep. yes, that's right, because I talked people into doing this. That was such a silly mistake. But it seemed I, like I, such a great idea at the time. Yeah. It, well, it did when we were on radio, and then I found out that was a mistake in any case. Uh, <laughs> I went to your website, and I went, damn, we're like three and a half weeks away, and there's still just basic stuff on there. And I talked to you about it right before we went on. And you said, well, yeah, because we're in the, the middle of just getting ready to put everything up. So we're right. going to, if people are listening live, the seven people who are listening live to us, who actually <laughs> know the secret code to get into the live version. Uh, talk to us a little bit about some of the people who are going to be there. We have, as I said, we do have quite a few um, local artists and local writers coming and actually a, a fairly diverse amount of comic book and related item sellers. Um, some, you know, we have obviously the three, um, comic book stores from Keen itself. You have comic boom, you have enterprise comics, etc., And you have toy city, all three of them sell comics and a lot of related stuff. And they all do, uh, you know, Magic the Gathering and Warhammer and many other games that I don't have a clue about. Um, so so that's a part of it. Uh, we have uh, some other guys coming in from Nashua. Uh, Ken Dunn has a comic book store. Uh, we have a company, uh, Tier 1 Games, Veneer Comics. So there'll be a lot of stuff being shown that, you know, you don't, you can take two hours and go around Keen and see three shops or you can hopefully see you know a bunch of shops with different materials and uh you know different offerings this is a company coming from new york um you know again that will have stuff that you don't typically see sure um as far as writers um i know i have some of them here um <laughs> A, a gentleman named Zach Shapiro uh, into, is an artist and an animator, and he's going to be showing up. I don't know if he's what he's going to be having for animation displays, but from what his website is and what he was talking about, it should be pretty neat. Um, I know Warhammer products or Warhammer gaming, um, they're bringing some 3D um, elevation mountains and that sort of stuff that they're going to be doing gaming on, which sounds again, something that hasn't been seen around here very much. And it should be quite a demonstration on that. Um, 
and I'm looking for my list that I have oh, a lot of the writers on. Um, just today, and I mentioned this to you uh, before, we have a company which is based out of, well, both uh, Portland, Maine, and in Brattleboro. And it's called Ludo Sport International. And it's, it's a pretty neat thing. It brings the science fiction and a couple of things into play. Um, it's a actual combat unit of lightsaber devotees. And it's uh, the gentleman that's from Brattleboro has been a martial artist for like 28 years. He's been teaching this for, I think, two or three years, he said. Um, it's actually a combat sport that was started in Italy. And he's bringing his, uh, his troop, I think some down from Portland and some also from Brattleboro, and they'll be giving some demonstrations during the day. So we're going to see lightsaber combat. Yes, and I, I wish we had a, a room that I could make, you know, dark. The uh, the videos that are online, you know, they have darkened for effects, so the lightsabers, you know, look like something out of, you know, the first Star Wars at the core. Um, but it, it's pretty impressive. It, it's not, it's choreographed, but it's not because it is actual um, unrehearsed combat um play it's not that you know not like wrestling where you know there's a beginning there's a middle there's an end um and, you, and you know, it's script. Already, yeah <laughs> right and the, this is not scripted this is actually live and you know people again it's just it's you know displayed so it, it's you know not winning and losing per se but from what they have shipped me online to look at and all that it should be pretty impressive and that'll be ongoing during the day um, we're also having, there's a, uh, a friend of ours, um, that does live auctions and from, uh, it's called Mookie and it's over in, uh, Marlboro, New Hampshire. And all the vendors that are coming to the show are, uh, donating one item each, um, to be auctioned off during the day. And then they will all each be putting in uh, two items of their own, which will be auctioned during the day, uh, you know, for their, for themselves. And if they want to put anything else in, they can. So there'll be stuff going on day all day long, whether it's free giveaways every hour, um, there'll be some demonstrations, that sort of thing. Uh, hopefully we'll have, you know, a face painter there or something like that as well. We're trying to get that at the last minute. So there should be stuff going on all day. It should be, you know, something for everybody, which is what we're really trying for. And it's reasonable. So what are we talking about in terms of uh, uh, admission fee? Uh, for any, any children under 10, it's absolutely free. And for, you know, over 10 is $10. And that's for the whole day. Okay. So it's pretty reasonable. We're going to have uh, food there. Um, you know, some limited food. We'll have pizza and related items. We're also going to have a lot of uh, Greek goodies, uh, spiny copica, baklava, that sort of thing there. There'll be some different things than you typically see at cons for food. Let's just put it that way. It, it won't be the typical, oh, my God, not more con food. Okay, good. It will not be the typical. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, do not be sorry about that. That's always no. a good thing. Yep. So my thought is that the microcons – 
are going to give a voice to a lot of local artists, local writers, and and local businesses that a uh, can't afford the larger conventions, can't get tables at the local conventions, aren't well known enough to do you know the the larger conventions. So, are you getting a lot of response from from uh, local writers and artists? We're getting a lot of response um, in the past couple of weeks. Um, well, since GraniteCon, because I talked to you know literally everybody that was there, and they know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. Um, and at this point, we probably have, I would say, fifteen or sixteen writers and artists at this point. Um, and again, this is something uh, we're, we're trying to make affordable. I mean, because the Boston Con can be twenty five hundred bucks for you know a space, and that just you know doesn't work around here. And you know, <laughs> and it's three <laughs> days long, and parking exactly. is forty dollars a day, and a hotel and room is four hundred. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so, oh yeah. yeah, that's and that's an expensive week. That was the idea. Was just to do, and and again, it's the first one. And the idea of trying to put on, you know, two days and entertain everyone um, in a variety of ways for two days just didn't seem like a, a smart thing to do. And, you know, we'll, we'll do this one. We'll learn. I mean, there's going to be a suggestion box. <laughs> it's going to be a big one. And say, you know, tell us what you like. Tell, tell us what you didn't. And, you know, we'll try and make it a lot better for you next year. So you're already planning long-term, like, let's see how this goes. Let's see what we have to change for, air quotes, next year. Oh, very definitely. I mean, one of the things that you start hearing as soon as you put this out there is, is oh, this is your first one. Um, let's wait till next year. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, okay, but maybe there won't be a next year if you don't, you know. So it, it's that conundrum. But no, I mean, and you do hear that a lot and you understand that, you know, these, a lot of these are businesses and they cost money to take employees and vans and inventory out of a store for a day or two days or whatever it is. But sure. no, we are, we already have people that are saying, you know, we couldn't come this year because of X and it's a really good reason, but please call us the next year. Oh, if you want to do one in the winter call us for the winter. So it's like once you get past the first one, I guess you have some validity. And that's, you know, that's, I, I understand that. I've been in business for a long time. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a learning experience. And I, I think there'll be enough there, though, to keep people busy and happy for, you know, a good chunk of a Saturday. So what we hope to get from this first Keen Comic Con is learn about who your your clientele is learn about who your audience is and bring together both in a, an environment that isn't horribly expensive and has a little bit of something for everyone right and you know by keeping and it, it just goes around i mean when you keep prices down enough somebody gets through the door that hasn't cost them 50 bucks to get through the door they're more likely to walk in and say, oh, there's that comic book I've been looking for for a year. I can afford to buy it. Or, you know, there's, um, you know, this artist that I've been reading for a while. I can afford to buy one of his prints. And, 
you know, that's the whole thing. If it can be, if it can be reasonable enough to, to make people come to it or entice people to come to it, it, it's something different to do that Keen hasn't seen before, that the area hasn't seen before. And, and, and that's the other thing. A lot of that's, fun. You know, the area, you know, like White Mountain Comic Con up in, in Plymouth, Plastic City Comic Con in, in yep. Central Mass, you guys in, in Keen are catering to an audience that has been ignored. I mean, they, this stuff just doesn't happen there. If there's I agree, an event I agree. at a comic store or something, it's a small thing. It's a couple of hours. If, uh, but that's it. So there is this group, and and having the college there does help significantly. Yep. But no, and the know, guy from uh, from Plastic City Comic Con actually emailed me today, and he wants to come up to it. Well, so. that's great. We, Actually, we had oh, Keith, on, Keith Gleason on last week. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I just heard from him today. Yep. Perfect. Um, yep. So, no, I mean, and it's, you know, it's, it's like, you know, the, the more the merrier. I mean, it, it's not, it can't, none of this can work in isolation. And if you get, you know, one here, one Concord, one Manchester, or whatever, people get them, get used to them, they like them, they'll figure out which one they might like best. But basically, there's enough people to go around and there's, so many different facets to this. Um, I might just be into Silver Age comics, but somebody else is into lunchboxes or somebody, you know, whatever. Um, you know, so there's, there's neat stuff for everybody. And given time and um, enough space, and, th and that is an issue in Keen, you know, I mean, there's only like this 5,000 foot space. But, um, you know, if it's, if it's viable and people want to come and more people want to show up, we'll figure out how to get more space. Well, and Plastic City had the same issue. I think they did their first year <clears throat> in a VFW hall. Yeah. <laughs> and their second year was in uh, a college hockey rink. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Where there's a will, there's a to go. dead person. But, yeah. And there's, there's ways around, you know. I just got that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are ways to temper all the information so that you can grow carefully, slowly, in small, meaningful steps, and still keep that same base that brought you to the dance in the first place. Right, and because there is there is a need, or there is maybe not a need, but there is a want for something like this. Absolutely, and you know that's that's all I'm trying to do, and I'm you know it's it's just to try and give a lot of people some space and. For me, it's just having fun with it. I mean, I've been part of this my whole life, or a big part of this my whole life. So, you know, this is something just to try and hopefully make it work well. Everybody enjoys it. It's funny because that's exactly how this show started uh, 17 years ago. My best friend called me up and he said, you want to have some fun on the radio? And I went, yeah, I don't know what we'll do, but sure, let's try it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. Terry, we will see you in three weeks. Sci-Fi Saturday Night will be at Keen Comic Con Saturday, October 14th from 9 to 6. We'll have the links for you so that you can check out their webpage as uh, information continues to grow about it. Check it out. It looks like fun. Terry, thank you so much for joining us tonight.
thank you very much, Dom. I really appreciate the time and see you in a little under three weeks. Appreciate Sounds it. like a plan. Hey, Kriana, how about some news? Gear yourself away from the game. <laughs> She's laughing really loudly in the other room. I don't know. If oh, there she is. <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> Thank you, Kriana. Ah, oh, Zombrarian, my dear, how are you? You know, there was a broken plate incident. Yeah, I heard about that. And then there was a unexpected Brussels sprouts incident, apparently. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I didn't know the Brussels sprouts were unexpected, so Kriana and I just had a very serious conversation. A Brussels sprout conversation? Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, every mar in every marriage, you have to have one. Evidently. Evidently. Uh, and it's a damn shame when it happens. But uh, when it does, you just kind of have to have it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of spoke a little bit with Joe Whitby the other night. <gasps> Joe's, she's Good doing friend of the show, Joe Whitby. Yes, yes, yes who was just finishing up her Canadian tour right now and is uh, was kind of flying over Boston and said, we may have a, a layover at night, and it didn't end up happening, unfortunately. Mm. But uh, she has another uh, Canadian and U.S. tour planned and definitely wants to have an evening with Sci-Fi Saturday Night Geeks. <gasps> Hooray! We may, in fact, have a, a, a small... House concert somewhere. Ooh, fancy. I agree, and, and I'm very much looking to her and her new bride-to-be uh, coming back to the States for their second trip next, sometime next year. Woo! Uh, so have a, have a great time in New York. Travel safely, and, and Joe, we will see you and, and hopefully talk to you soon. Um, what happened this week? You know I don't know, stuff. Week? Yeah, Star Trek Discovery. Yep, that happened. Did you happen to see it? No, because I didn't go past the paywall, bitches. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Actually, uh, the premiere episode was on CBS. Oh, I didn't watch it. No. Uh, you I know mean, what? It's CBS? Yeah, I know. And CBS own, owns the television rights to the franchise they have for years. But uh, it was pretty damn good, to be honest with you. Um, I kind of liked it. Um, I'm anxious to see what happens behind the paywall in the coming weeks. Uh, but there's been Hopefully a whole lot it'll of... be worth paying for. Uh, yeah. And, and therein lies the issue that a lot of people are talking about uh, Discovery being bait and switch for CBS All Access. Uh, what's the point of CBS All Access? And uh, a particular favorite of mine was uh, an io9 story that begins with Discovery deserves better than the CBS streaming service. Uh, which which I thought was kind of right on track, to be honest with you. I think I've kind of said that all along. Yep. There is uh, 
a new show that debuted in Britain last week called Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. Uh-oh. And it's being done by their uh, non-BBC Channel 4. <gasps> which is uh, known for avant-garde programming and really quality programming. Uh, Wait, aren't they the ones who stole the Great British Bake Off? Yes, they are, actually. And then, oh my gosh, I have something to say about this that has nothing to do with anything. They okay. made a video for it, Dome. They made a video promoting that they now had the Great British Bake Off. It featured singing pastries, but they were all, like, slightly, like, bad trippy. Like, oh, no. <laughs> the biscuits would rise in the oven, and the, and the little cracks at the edges of the rising biscuits would be the mouths, and they'd be singing. And then the cheese would come spewing out like the biscuits were vomiting. <laughs> You have or there to were these two the ladies, like sunbathing ladies made out of bread, and then they started rising, and it was their butts that got really big. It was so weird in Trippy Dome. I will send this to you. No, I've got to see it because we've got to put the link up in, in, in the post for this show. Yeah, I, I will. I will send this to you. I'm going to look for it right now. So you better tell me about this show more while I find this very important piece of video for you. Okay, um, well, the show is kind of, uh, has got clearly uh, a lot of Philip K. Dick short stories that they've worked into a television series, and I believe it's a, as, as most things are in Britain, a limited series, so I believe it's 10 episodes. Uh, Ron Moore, who was the co-producer of Battlestar Galactica, is producing this, and, uh, uh, Michael Dinar, who uh, uh, worked on, who was the screenwriter, one of the screenwriters for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Life on Mars, and Stranger Things. Um, so you I, said that the first two too quickly, and it sounds like Harry Potter's on Mars, which is not Harry true. Potter on Mars, which might have been cool, and Stranger Things. So that's the guy who's, who's writing the screenplays, and Ronald Moore is is, is producing it. And I saw the first two episodes of it, and all I can say is, between that and and the new movie coming out, it is a beautiful time to be a fan of Philip K. Dick. Because, oh my gosh, uh, it's just, you know, between that and Blade Runner 2049, which I think opens in like two weeks, it's just, just beautifully beautifully visually stunning dystopian stories uh, that you would think oh this has to be depressing and ugly much uh, you know as, as depressing as Battlestar Galactica the new series was and yet it isn't it's actually really 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 pretty and and just great storytelling uh, visually stunning and and cool fun. Uh, what else? What else did you find it yet? I I did. I'm watching <laughs> to make sure the whole thing is here now. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, 
Um, sometimes for some reason it's playing at like triple speed and without sound. Ah, perfect. That'll be um, perfect for our listeners. Um, so there is a, a it kind of it's one of the few things I have to talk about this week. Did you watch Ghosted? I did. <gasps> was it as good as it looks? It kind of was. Okay, I'm really excited about it. It, it deserves it, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Um, this kind of thing, you know, this is, this is a, a typical Hollywood formula, but it's got such oddball casting that it should work very, very well. I hope. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, I will admit. There's, there's a lot of good stuff to be had there. Because I mean, it looks like it doesn't take itself too seriously, yep. but it does um it does, you know, tell a story. It's grounded like, comedy. It's not Joke after joke after joke after joke. Yeah, it's not just a big parody of everything you can think of. Okay, I have successfully found a video of this vomiting pastry that plays. And not one person says, did I do that? Good. (laughs) Hey, that is classic 90s sitcom humor. I will not have you. Too late, I just Disparage it. All right, there's... I have linked the video for you so you can watch it. Um, Oh, God, just the icon for it looks creepier now. (laughs) Oh, it's awful. It's awful and wonderful, Dome. You're going to love it. So I guess the final question that I have tonight is, did anybody ever consider the end of the zombie apocalypse? Everybody always assumes... Yes. That they all die. Yes, indeed. Max Brooks considered it in his wonderful book, World War Z, that got made into a crappy movie with... And a crappy sequel happening for it. But no one, as far as I can recall, in either book or movie up to this point, has considered the fact that you could cure them. And what the what the situation would be like in a society where there were some that clearly died and rotted and the rest of it, but they were able to cure some. io9 has a wonderful article about a movie called The Cured, a fresh take on zombies by turning them back into humans. And well, that's how interesting. It's very interesting. And the See, and if you ask teenagers, teenagers will tell you zombies are pretty much done. We have moved on from zombies in the zeitgeist. Yeah. It's all mermaids now. <laughs> so Everything Aquaman is, is going to be a great movie then. No, you know what's creepy though? Not creepy, but very prescient. I remember reading an article that was like, yeah, we're doing zombies right now. We just finished... You know, we finished vampires, we moved on to zombies, next we're going to do probably, like, unicorns, 
and mermaids um, and then fairies and that'll circle back around to vampires and they're not wrong no they're not but I think you know if this kind of meme takes hold a little bit there's a whole new take to work with on zombies in this movie they focus on oh wait no, you know which one does talk about curing zombies hmm. and whether it can be cured? Um, oh, what's the... It's a Netflix show. It's wonderful. I watch it. It's got the blonde girl. She's a medical examiner. I Zombie? Yes! It's not Netflix. That's actually CW. Is that CW? Okay. I watch it on Netflix because... Oh. You don't believe I like to binge regular TV. Things. I got you. And that they did have a whole bit where they explored whether zombies could be cured. This movie, The Cured, uh, is kind of a, a political discrimination, family healing, zombie movie. It's very quiet. It takes place in Ireland where seven in Ireland where 75% of the infected have been cured and are slowly being integrated into into, back into society. Oh, interesting. Uh, the two main characters are Senna, who's invited to live with his sister-in-law, uh, and his sister-in-law is played by Ellen Page, who produced the film, and Connor, whose family has disowned him, and he's forced to become a janitor, even though he was previously a lawyer. And it's kind of the differences between these two how society treats them, how they feel about themselves, uh, what they went through and why they went through it, uh, discrimination or, or, or the metaphor thereof in a zombie movie, clearly not a new idea, but it's, it's, a, it's a very nice, uh, somber take on it. It sounds like fun. That does sound good. I'm mm. interested. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put down, uh, I'm going to put down the link to the review. And, you know what's uh, most interesting about it for me? Hmm. Um, that a lot of zombie movies um, and infection movies in the past 20 to 30 years have been easily read as AIDS metaphors. Right. And now we're starting to have, well, what happens after they're cured metaphors. Which, that's very interesting to me that this is coming about now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Sorry, that was just me thinking out loud. That wasn't actually like a centered thought. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. You know, I think uh, Java has found out that the... Uh, the water where it shouldn't be is worse than what he'd originally thought when he talked to us before the show. I'm guessing there's a shark living in his basement and he just doesn't want to tell us yet. It's a terrible idea. <gasps> Ooh, really or penguins. Yeah, there could be penguins. Like and that would in be Mr. Much Popper's penguins. Yeah, but and hopefully there's a refrigerator down there so that it can keep them in, into ice cubes because oh penguins Oh my gosh, be that was the best book. <laughs> A horrible movie with uh, Jim Carrey, but oh, yeah. they made that into a movie. They did, and please Why don't. Why would they do it. that? The book you is will, perfection. You will, you will hate it. 
Oh, <laughs> darn. Hey, Kriana, do you know who's on the show next week? Hold on. She said that I have to ping her. Oh. I'm sending her the message. Ping. Oh, <gasps> I'm guessing she doesn't know who's on the show because we don't know either. But we do know uh, that Sci-Fi Saturday Night no. is the official podcast of RanitCon, booksandbooze.com, and comicarthouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of favorite artists. And if you have a free minute, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, Live Family, now on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Our intro is provided by Rob this is Don't Say, Terry and Jeannie, Jared Venus, and I know.